Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Didn't they do a wonderful job with that video? It was just so funny, but it just gave us a chance to go into their homes with the wash, the kitchen, the, the children, the toys, and it was such a joyful and um, good job, guys. Okay, so today is Mother's Day, but I've come with a message for every woman, every sister, every mother, every grandmother, every daughter. The Lord has given me a message, and it is from Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But before we get to the message, we always used to play a game. And so I want us to play that game. And I don't know, this time we don't have gifts for you, but you're going to get a point for every one of the ones that you say yes to. So let's start with the points. The first one is, if since this lockdown, quarantine, isolation, which I call the wilderness experience, since two months we've been in our homes, if you every day have kept your routine of going to bed at night or getting up in the morning the same, you get a point. If you dress like going somewhere every day, not staying in your house clothes, but you're dressing like you're going to go out the house, then clap for yourself. If you wear makeup every day, give yourself another point. If you do not wear makeup every day, give yourself a point. If you have been exercising in one form or another, something you're doing, even if you're walking back and forth in your house, you get a point. If you are making your bed every day, give yourself another point. If you are cooking at least one meal a day, in the morning, at noon, or at night, it doesn't have to be all the meals, but just one, you get a point. And if every day, I should have started with this one. This is very close to my heart. If you've been in the Word every morning or night or during the day, you're finding time to get in the Word, give yourself 10 points. And if you every day called someone to encourage them or texted them or spoke those encouraging words to someone you're with them in the house, you get another point. And if you are spending time in prayer every day, give yourself another point. So if you got points for every one of them, text it in and we'll see it. And maybe somehow we can mail you a gift or something when we see it. So be blessed today. But let's go to the word in prayer before we start the message. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you made this day. This is the day you have made. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning, Lord. So today, Lord, we ask for your mercy and grace for this day. Lord, I pray that you pour your blessings upon everyone that's listening, every woman that needs encouragement, everyone that's crying out to you, Lord, because you are the one that hears their voices. Bless them today. 
Lay your hands on their heads, Lord, and today let them know that you are near to those that fear you, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Before I start, I just want to say, I know there are friends of mine, too, that I know, or some of you that your moms are not there. They've gone to heaven. And so you are not really joyful today because you're missing them. But we know they are alive in the presence of the Lord. But today they are not here physically. I just want to say the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he is the father of all comfort. May he comfort you today. And then those of you that have moms, but they are not near like mine. And, and by the way, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom because I know she watches this service faithfully. And so, mom, thank you. And I love you, mom. Okay, so we are going to start our message today with what the Lord placed on my heart was from Ephesians 2.10. And it was just, you know, it, it's such a verse that can be applied to everyone. But today I want to apply it to every woman that says we are his workmanship. We understand workmanship. It's a masterpiece. It's like a quilt, if you, if you may, or something that you make so beautifully. And I have friends that crochet and make quilts and and um, just to realize that God is making something beautiful out of our lives, that he has a plan and he is doing it himself with his hands. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So today, yes, I'm not going to talk about the Proverbs 31 woman because I really feel like it should be the Proverbs 31 women because it cannot be just one woman doing all these things and still surviving and taking care of her family, getting up early in the morning, letting her candle not go out at night, making all this food for all the servants and clothing them, making clothes, but... I believe in the body of Christ, we all come together, and every one of us, with our gifts, we make the Proverbs 31 women. We all can come together, and some of you might have the two or three more gifts, because the Lord gives gifts as he pleases, and so you might be able to make a quilt and then go in the kitchen and make this wonderful meal, and Bless you, because it is gifts that God has given us to use for his glory, and he's prepared these gifts for us. But today, we're not going to go to Proverbs 31, except for the verse that I chose from there, 31 verse 30. The second part of that verse says, and the woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. A woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. So we are going to go to, yes, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as soon as I said that, you know where I'm going. And so here it is. Love suffers long. And the word for that is patient. Love is patient. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, 
does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And that is what we are striving to be. The Lord Jesus Christ is being formed in us. He lives in us, and we are every day. Philippians 1.6 says, He who started to work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord is working in us to bring us to that where Paul talks about love suffers long, love is kind. So we are going to go to now to a woman that I picked out of the Bible that I don't think I had really thought about this woman a whole lot. But she is mentioned, her name is mentioned, and her son is mentioned all through the Bible. But what's interesting is, because a few years ago, the Lord had given me a message about the boy that had the two loaves and the five fish, and they never tell you who prepared that for that little boy. His mom, but then her name is never mentioned. This one, yes, we know about the son, but we have not heard a whole lot about the mom. It's not Mary, because Mary is a very big example to us of a mom whose son Jesus came to die on the cross. And what a mother to bear everything with such grace. But no, it's not Mary today. But this woman, okay, let me give you a few points about her and see if you can guess. She was very creative with her hands. She was a brave woman. She was a woman that would do things with no fear and did it in such a way that for three months she could do something where no one knew what she was doing. Got any hints? Well, let me mention her name. Because what's interesting is when you read about Noah, of course it took Noah a very long time to build the ark. But we know Noah very well. This woman also built an ark. It didn't take her that long, but she built an ark by herself. She didn't get in the ark, but she put her most precious thing inside the ark. Can you guess? Okay. Let me give you her name. Her name is Jochebed or Jochebed, and however you say it, that was her name. And her story is found in the book of Exodus, where we're going to go. And uh, you know what's interesting is Moses wrote the book of Exodus. And now when we read about his mom, it's Moses' writing. It's Moses' mother. Because in Exodus chapter 2 is when Moses starts writing his own story. And this is how he says, Exodus 2, chapter 1, uh, verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. 
So the woman conceived and bore a son. Now we know that she had already Miriam, the daughter, and Aaron, another son. This is the youngest son that's born. And when she saw, now remember, Moses is writing this, that he was a beautiful child. She hid him three months. How do you hide a baby for three months? Now that we've been in our homes for two months, we kind of know, get an idea of what it's like to be in the same room or the same house and not go anywhere too much, not have people visit. So she must have stayed away from people. She must have stayed constantly her eyes on this baby because she had the other two also helping her, probably, and her husband Probably he would go to the door and, and uh, send neighbors away because she was hiding this baby. Because, let's go to chapter 1 and see what was happening. Because in chapter 1, verse 17, it says that before, before we get to the midwives, Pharaoh had said, these people that are in Goshen, the city, the, the city where the children of Jacob were living, because if you remember in Genesis, Joseph came to Egypt, and he became the second to the king, the Pharaoh. So he wanted his father and his brothers all to move to Egypt. So now they've been in Egypt, but that Pharaoh has died, Joseph has died, and the people of Israel have stayed there. They didn't go back to their land. So now they are getting so many of them that Pharaoh tells the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, you have to kill the baby boys that are being born because these people are multiplying. So the midwives, it says, feared God, did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the midwives were doing something that today in our country, many that are standing for life need to know that God sees everything. And he sees every baby that is being killed in the mother's womb. But God sees everything because the midwives feared God. God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And then verse 21, and so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. That means he gave them lineage. He made them a house because the Lord said they did something that I am pleased with that. They feared me instead of Pharaoh, the king of the land. So that's why this mother was hiding her baby. Jochebed was hiding Moses. But then she thinks about it. The baby is almost three months old. She could no longer hide him. She took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. I don't know if I could have done that. That was something that I could not even imagine doing. But she did it. She knew the God of Jacob. She comes from the house of Levi's. 
The Levites are going to be the priests. God is going to bring them into the priesthood. She knew God. So somehow, as she took her baby, I'm sure she prayed and laid that baby at the edge of the river. But she must have left it and gone home. Because the sister, which I can't imagine that morning, the crying that was going on in that home when they found out what they were going to do with this baby. But the sister, Miriam, is still there somewhere hiding. She's hiding. And the minute the Pharaoh's daughter comes to the river, she and her servants, they find the ark. They open it, they find the baby, and they say, this must be a Hebrew child. Miriam comes out and goes straight to Pharaoh's daughter. God's plans never change. God had a plan for that baby. Nothing was going to happen to that baby. And so she comes up and she says to Pharaoh's daughter, would you like me to get a Hebrew mother to take care of this baby? doesn't say just a mother. It says a Hebrew mother and Pharaoh's daughter agrees. That's very, very interesting because when God has a plan, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And no one can change God's plan. So she takes the baby. She tells this Miriam, yes, go get this Hebrew woman. So Miriam runs gets Jochebed, I can't imagine the joy, because now, not only does she tell her to go and to the daughter, and then she says, um, take this child. She tells the mother of Moses, take this child, nurse him for me, and now she's going to give her wages. I just thought that was just so wonderful. First, Jochebed thought she's lost her baby, but now she can bring her baby out. She can show her baby to all the neighbors. She can get all excited about this baby. The baby can cry now all through the night and make all the noises the baby wants to make, and she's getting paid for it. But what's interesting today that I want to bring out is things that she put into Moses, knowing that Moses was hers only for a certain time. God has given us responsibilities and works and gifts that we do not know how long it's for. Whatever he's given you, if he's given you 30 children in a classroom, or he's given you people that are under you or beside you, working with you, he gives us a certain amount of time. And this Jochebed took advantage of that time and taught this son of hers things that he would never forget. Three things I believe she taught him. The first one was who he was. Moses knew who he was when he left his home and went to Pharaoh's palace. Because the mother, after the child grows, takes him to the palace. Moses knew who he was, that he was a Hebrew. How do we know that? When we go down to verse 11, 
uh, when she takes him to the palace, it says it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren. And it doesn't say the Egyptians. He's saying his brethren and looked at their burdens. So here is Moses knowing who he is because his mother taught him who he was. That he was a Hebrew child, taught him every day that he was Hebrew, maybe even spoke to him in the Hebrew language. And then Moses goes to the palace, but he doesn't forget that. The second thing is, when he was growing up at his mother's knees, Moses learned whose he was. The Lord, the God of Jacob, was his God. Because we see it in chapter 1 that the midwives feared God. They knew the Lord. So here is a man from Levi and a woman from Levi. They knew the Lord. And so they taught Moses whose he was, who was their God, not the gods of Egypt that he was going to learn about. Probably he was put into Egyptian schools, the best in the country, because now he's in the palace, but he knew who he served. And then the third thing his mother taught him, how he should be. And I saw that because it's just amazing when you watch Moses' life. We go back to chapter 2, verse 11, when Moses comes out of the palace in chapter 2, and it says, when he is looking at the burdens of his brethren and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren, he gets mad. He must have tried to stop them. And then he kills one of them. I don't think he meant to kill the Egyptian. But I think he just got into that moment of protecting the Hebrew. Because the next day when he comes out again, there's two Hebrews fighting. And he says to them, why are you fighting? He must have done the same thing the day before. And the Egyptian must not have stopped just beating this man, almost killing him, so he had stepped in. So then we see Moses running away because now he's killed a man and Pharaoh wants to kill Moses. So he runs from Egypt, goes to the country of the Midianites, sits by a well. So we read this in chapter 2, verse 16, where it says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them. He could have just sat there because he was a stranger. He had run from Egypt. He had no business in getting into anybody else's situation. But here it says he gets up, he helps them, Moses must have learned to be kind and helpful at his mother's knees because here he is. And, you know, Moses wrote Exodus, and somewhere he even says, and Moses was a very humble man. But we see him with his kindness because God is going to call him to lead all these people out of Egypt. One and a half million, they say, might have been at that time the number. And all through the wilderness experience, 
A few times we see Moses getting angry, but more than that, one time his father-in-law had come and he said, you are wearing yourself out, Moses. And he said, but these people need to know they're asking all these things from the Lord and I want to help them. He was such a kind man. So it is so important. And, and he helped them. And of course, then we know the story. One of those becomes his wife, one of the girls of the Midianite priest. But today, I just wanted to bring another point out that we are teaching children, it is such an important thing to know that Jesus put a lot of importance on children. Let's go to Mark chapter 9 and find out about the disciples. One time Jesus was telling them, you know, he was always telling them, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem and I will be crucified, but I will come back to life. I will be with you. All these things. And one time they were walking and he knew they were arguing about something. And I'm sure he heard them because he knows everything. He knew what they were talking about. But when they went into the house, he asked them and said, what were you talking about on the way? And they were trying to hide it, but then one of them said, well, we were trying to see who was going to take your place or who was going to be greater, who was going to be a leader. Here Jesus brings to them and says, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all the servants of all. And then he takes a child, a little child, sets him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. He is comparing the whole kingdom of God to how we need to be as children. And that we need to be like children when we come to things to believe about the Lord, the word. To be like a child. Because a child believes all. A child trusts all. A child is one that the Lord wants us to be so like children. And then the next day or somewhere, because it's just a chapter later. Of course, they weren't like chapters at the time. But a few days later... Here they are again. They brought children to him. Some people that were taking care of children. They were bringing them to Jesus just so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. They forgot what Jesus was telling them the day before or a few days before. It's amazing to me. Because sometimes the Lord tells us things and we forget it and we go to him again and we're like, Lord, what, what should I do about this situation or that situation? And he patiently teaches us again. So here we are. Jesus says to them, he was displeased with them and rebukes them. In King James, the, the version says he rebukes them. He's displeased with them. Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, 
and bless them. And I just love that. So, you know, all those things that we were talking about Moses learning at his mother's knees, it's like we need to realize that God has given us works to do, things we have just the window of time. Pour yourself into people. Teach them things. When you have an opportunity, teach them. Teach them God's word. Speak of them. And it's just such a beautiful thing that the Lord teaches them again. He takes them. He rebukes the disciples. Take the children in his arms. And he blesses them. When I was going through the message for today, I saw something in Ephesians that Paul the Apostle had written, and I just loved it because he's reminding them that he's writing this as a prisoner. The letter to the Ephesians, which is to the Gentiles, and so today we are his workmanship. The Ephesians 2.10, he tells them that. He says, you are, you Gentiles were once darkened, but now have been lightened by the, by the gospel now remember, you are his workmanship. Today, I want to just say that over and over so you will know that God is making a beautiful thing out of your life. Every detail that goes in your life, the Lord is doing it. And so today, I just want to go to Ephesians and go to chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Paul is beseeching us to walk worthy with the gifts God has given us, that we were created for those gifts. And Paul is saying, I beseech you. And then in verse 7, he says, each of you will get grace. If your gift, you think that you cannot walk in your gift, God will give you the grace for that. And then it goes to Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love so that we can walk in our gifts in love. And then verse 23, by the renewing of the spirit of your mind. How do we do that with the word of God? We renew our minds as we're walking in our gifts. You know, in Romans, he tells those gifts, and they are hospitality, mercy, prophecy, teaching, and all these gifts that each of us have inside of us that God has created us to walk in those gifts. God will give us the grace to walk in them. He will give us the grace that we need. And then in verse 32, and when I got here, it was just so interesting to me because every time I read this verse, I remember the story so clearly. Jennifer and Benjamin, when they were young, and we were teaching them God's word all the time, the verses, small verses, big verses, and they were learning them. But here, I think that they were three and four years old. We were in the car one day and just driving down the road. Terry and I were having a very heated discussion, not arguing, but having a very heated discussion. Jennifer from the back, from her car seat, she said, Mama. And I said, wait, Achigas. And she kept saying, Mama. And I said, wait, Daddy and I are not finished yet. So she didn't wait. And she said, be kind and compassionate to one another. And that was a verse we had just learned about two weeks before that, and she used it. 
And it was just such a um, wake up for us that when you're teaching your children God's word, they're going to use it. Because they don't really care how much you're telling them, but how much you're walking out in the truths that you're teaching your children. So today, if I can just encourage you, especially young moms out there, I just want to say, put God's word in your children. Because that's what's going to keep them on difficult times, like we saw with Jochebed. She knew her son was going to be away from her, and she didn't know for so many years he was going to be in the land of Midian. But somehow, what she put into Moses, God used that for so many souls to go through the wilderness experience. So today, as I, we finish, yes, we are called, we are created for special works. But who is the rewarder? Not so many times people. They might say thank you. They might remember. They might clap for you. They might pat you on the back. They might even say, wow, come back and say, you know, when you did that, this is how I was going through this. And, but the rewarder for our lives, Paul the Apostle writes again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, and I'm going to add their sister in, because Paul the Apostle wrote in one of his letters, now there is no man or woman, Jew or Gentile, Greek or barbarian. When we are in Christ, we are new creatures. And he says, sister in, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you are walking in your gift, do it as unto the Lord. Don't forget, he is the rewarder. It says, do not be weary in doing good, because God will bring the reward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that you see everyone right now. You are Jehovah Shammah. You are there. You are here. You are everywhere, Lord, and you are watching us in every step. You are guiding our steps, Lord. You know every hair on our head. You know every moment that you have given us. And Lord, the works you've created us, each woman right now is so precious. I ask you, Lord, just like you did with your hand on those children, I ask you to stretch forth your mighty hand and touch each one. Lord, if they don't know you right now, let them cry out to you because all they have to do is say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me, and you will save them to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to take a moment here. I don't ever want to pass that opportunity, but... If you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, now is the time. You don't know how much time you have, but now is the time to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you loved me, and I want to receive you in my heart to walk with me every day of my life. 
And so I want you to pray that prayer wherever you are. And Lord, I thank you for everyone that knows you and fears you. Because a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised, Lord. Thank you that you are the rewarder. You are the one that sees every detail, what everyone is doing. And let us walk in the gifts today. Let us remember you are with us with pouring your grace upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.